For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. The unsurpassed, profound, and wondrous Dharma is rarely met with even in a hundred thousand million kalpas. Now I can see and hear it, accept and maintain it. May I unfold the meaning of the Tathagata's truth. And um, I'll just say that this morning's service will be a memorial dedication for the great Vietnamese Buddhist teacher Thich Nhat Hanh and for the, the uh, great uh, American author and feminist Bell Hooks and for Ken Ballard, who was a former practitioner at Ancient Dragon. Thank you, David. Good morning, Bodhisattvas. I hope you can hear me. So what do we say? How do we feel when great teachers pass out of this world? Um, At this moment, what I'm feeling is tremendous gratitude. Um, And I hope we'll honor the lives of Bell Hooks and Thich Nhat Hanh this morning in our conversation. One of the important teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh was that our own life has to be our message. And so I thought that we can talk today about the messages that we might glean from the lives of these two giants, Thich Nhat Hanh and Bell Hooks. Bell Hooks is less of a household name, but her life had a tremendous this impact on our culture and um, and on my personal understanding, both as a feminist and as a, a conservation professional. Um, in the first paragraph of her obituary in the New York Times, uh, she was credited with, quote, helping to push feminism beyond its white middle class worldview to include the voices of black and working class women. And it goes on to say, if that seems like conventional wisdom today, that's in large part because of the enormous impact Ms. Hooks had on both feminism and Black women. And I would add on white women and everyone else, including the the New York Times. But um, of all the tributes I've read since she died in the middle of December at the age of uh, 69, What I found missing was mention of her strong voice in helping to diversify the environmental conservation movement in this country. Uh, In a wonderful essay that um, was published by Orion Magazine in 1996, so 25 years ago, diversifying the conservation movement is is what is happening now. She was doing this 25 years ago. Her essay is called Touching the Earth, and she directs it. 
to other African-Americans and makes a strong case for the value to African-Americans of reconnecting with nature after what she saw as the disconnection that resulted from the Great Migration. So here are a few bits from that uh, prescient and brilliant essay. When we love the earth, we are able to love ourselves more fully. I believe this. The ancestors taught me it was so. It must have been a profound blow to the collective psyche of Black people to find themselves struggling to make a living in the industrial North, away from the land. Without the space to grow food, to commune with nature, or to mediate the starkness of poverty with the splendor of nature, Black people experienced profound depression, estrangement from nature and engagement in mind-body splits made it all the more possible for Black people to internalize white supremacist assumptions about Black identity. Collective Black self-recovery takes place when we begin to renew our relationship to the earth when we remember the way of our ancestors, when the earth is sacred to us, our bodies are also sacred to us. So Bell Hooks was the pen name of uh, Gloria Jean Watkins, and she was born uh, September 25th, 1952 in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, near Tennessee, in the Jim Crow South. And we can only imagine how exceptional she must have been as a a poor African-American female in the 50s to go from there to Stanford University and eventually on to a PhD and and write more than 30 books on a wide range of subjects, including a lot of poetry. I I recommend her memoir about her youth uh, to learn more about how that happened. It's called Bone Black. And uh, she was a cultural critic, public intellectual. She, She didn't like those titles. She's a scholar on race and gender. And to me, she she seemed fearless. She wrote, when we drop fear, we can draw nearer to people. We can draw nearer to the earth. We can draw nearer to all the heavenly creatures around us. And you might guess from that language that Bell Hooks was also a Buddhist practitioner. That's how I first learned about her from a Dharma talk many years ago. I was amazed to hear about a Black, feminist, Buddhist academic, and I immediately devoured everything she had written. She was exposed to Buddhism first through beat poetry, Um, most notably uh, Jack Kerouac and Gary Snyder. And she met Snyder when she was 18 years old, and he invited her to a May Day celebration at the Ring of Bone Zendo in California. And she says that she's engaged in in various forms of what she calls a Buddhist Christian practice ever since. She talked about this in in an interview in the New York Times in 2015. She said, Buddhism continues to inspire me because there is such an emphasis on practice. What are you doing? Right livelihood, right action. We're back to that self-interrogation that is so crucial. It's the discipline that comes from spiritual practice that is the foundation of my life. If we talk about what a disciplined writer I have been and hope to continue to be, that discipline starts with a spiritual practice. It's just every day, every day, every day. 
So if we return to what like, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh said, our own life has to be our message. That's the message I take from considering the very fine life of, of bell hooks, spiritual practice, however you define it, every day, every day, every day. And Thich Nhat Hanh, I'd actually been planning to talk about Thich Nhat Hanh today um, before we learned that he had died, because my original uh, subject for, for this talk was going to be climate change. A friend had asked me, so what's the Buddhist response to climate change? And uh, I heard myself answer, well, follow the precepts in the Eightfold Path and pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention to nature, attention, attention, attention. And I wondered if I could find uh, better answers. And so I looked up the recent film by Joanna Macy that Tigan had recommended uh, on climate change. And uh, Joanna Macy is one of the wisest teachers I've ever met. She's a force. <laughs> she's 92 years old now, and, and she's written a dozen books, and she's taught about peace and justice and deep ecology. And I am going to take the liberty of calling Dr. Macy Joanna because I think of her as our friend. Um, Joanna begins her film about climate change by quoting Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, he answered that question about an appropriate response to climate change this way. What we most need to do is to hear within ourselves the sounds of the earth crying. In other words, we're the earth, and the earth is crying, and we need to listen. And Joanna adds to this, of all the dangers we face from climate chaos to nuclear war, none is so great as the deadening of our response. And I am going to confess that I have felt deadened recently. I felt my response deadening. And... Um, so it's good to be reminded of that. If we can't feel the pain and the joy around us, we'll be, we'll be paralyzed. But I realized that pretty much everything Thich Nhat Hanh taught about mindfulness and practice is what we need to be doing about climate change. He talked about collective awakening. This kind of enlightenment, he says, is crucial to a collective awakening. In Buddhism, we talk of meditation as an act of awakening, to be awake to the fact that the earth is in danger and living species are in danger. He talked about revolution. There's a revolution that needs to happen, he says, and it starts from inside each one of us. We need to wake up and fall in love with earth. Our personal and collective happiness and survival depends on it. He talked about interdependence. Uh, in his view, above all, Buddhism is based on the recognition of interdependence. He sees, he wrote, interdependence is the spiritual truth that now biologists have independently discovered through the scientific discipline of ecology. He talked about our personal actions and our personal choices. In the past, he said, 
Buddhists were vegetarian with the intention to nourish our compassion toward animals. Now we know we should be vegan in order to protect the earth. So Titaihan was born um, in Vietnam way, uh, October 11th, 1926. He, he joined a Zen monastery when he was 16 years old. He was ordained in 1949, which is when he was given the name Titaihan. And, and many of the facts of his life are probably familiar to you. He's been a public figure for, for decades. His connection with the uh, U.S. began a long time ago, in the early 60s. He studied at, at Princeton University. And uh, most of us older folks uh, probably first heard about him when he um, became a figure in the American peace movement. And he's, he urged Martin Luther King to oppose the war in Vietnam. And Dr. King nominated him for the Nobel Peace Prize um, in 1967, which was a year when no one received the Nobel Peace Prize. But Dr. King wrote to them, I do not personally know of anyone more worthy than this gentle monk from Vietnam. His ideas for peace, if applied, would build a monument to ecumenism, to world brotherhood, to humanity. And as we all know, Thich Nhat Hanh spent his entire life teaching, writing, organizing, inspiring, spreading love. He had a massive stroke in uh, 2014, and now he has died. He didn't fear death. He, He wrote a book called No Death, No Fear. He wrote, birth and death are only notions. They are not real. (laughs) So I'm going to end by reading his poem. Uh, It's called Oneness. Uh, And then um, time for all of us to share thoughts and feelings about him and also about bell hooks. Oneness by Thich Nhat Hanh. The moment I die, I will try to come back to you as quickly as possible. I promise it will not take long. Isn't it true I am already with you in every moment? I come back to you in every moment. Just look. Feel my presence. If you want to cry, please cry. And know that I will cry with you. The tears you shed will heal us both. Your tears are mine. The earth I tread this morning transcends history. Spring and winter are both present in the moment. The young leaf and the dead leaf are really one. My feet touch deathlessness and my feet are yours. Walk with me now. Let us enter the dimension of oneness and see the cherry tree blossom in winter. Why should we talk about death? I don't need to die to be back with you.
Thank you all for your attention. I think David will help um, recognize people who would like to say something. Thank you, David. Yes. Again. Yeah, I, well, I could start. Um, uh, I, I I've read some of Bell Hooks. Don't know as much about her as I should. Uh, I know that she has written a, about Buddhist practice um, very beautifully. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh, I um, had the opportunity to uh, do a few-day seminar with him at Green Gulch Farm way back in the 90s. And also around then, I did a uh, almost week-long uh, teaching with him down near San Jose about the Lotus Sutra. And I had the experience when Thich Nhat Hanh was speaking the Lotus Sutra, I suddenly was transported back to Vulture Peak and listening to the Buddha speak. It was uh, a strange feeling and wonderful. Uh, so many things to say about Thich Nhat Hanh. One is that uh, um, at a time when a lot of American Zen was very kind of macho and strict and, and all that, uh, he emphasized a very gentle practice and he encouraged he said that everybody during zazen uh, should smile, should be smiling a little bit. That sense of enjoying. So, um, yeah, he was an important teacher uh, about Buddhism. Um, so I think other people may have comments, but when you have a chance, Gershon, um, uh might you say a little bit more about climate and what's, and what's happening with climate now and how Bell Hooks and uh, Thich Nhat Hanh saw that? Today? <laughs> I think I'll save that for another Dharma talk. It's a lot to talk about. Well, I'll call on myself. Um... So when I think about um, Thich Nhat Hanh and bell hooks, the, the word love is the, is the thing that comes up. I, I may be wrong, but I think they both wrote books called On Love. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I haven't checked. But um, um, several things to say about love. Um, I've been um, studying the Brahma Viharas and equanimity most recently for the past months and months um, on Thursday mornings with Hogetsu. And um, it, it, it feels, it, it feels really good to, um, to feel that kind of cooling energy that, that um, counteracts versions of love that I'm, I feel very familiar with that are versions of love that are grasping, needy, prone to disappointment, giving way to bitterness, all, all of those things, all, all of the ways that, that love as attachment um, intensifies suffering. 
And um, so it's remarkable. Uh, um, both, both Thich Nhat Hanh and Bell Hooks um, were, were teachers of love. And um, the, lo- the love that I, I didn't really recognize the uh, Bell Hooks' talks of, talk about love as, as, as connected to, to Buddhism. I don't think I knew about her Buddhist practice at, at the time. So for me, they're both manifestations of grandmother mind. I think they're both avatars of, of Guan Yin. That seems obvious to me, um, as, as every compassionate heart is. Um, so those are thoughts that come up for me around both of those two. Ogetsu. So thank you, Gyoshin, for bringing together uh, these two amazing teachers. And I was thinking about how here we have this Asian monastic traditional teacher, and then we have this unbelievable uh, African-American feminist teacher. And I somehow feel like they come together in this seamless yet profound way that's sort of a koan for us of how do we find our way forward with each breath and each step and with love as our, as our Buddhist community and as we take care of the earth. So I just, I'm just thinking about this, uh, seeming contrast, but also the importance of it and what it has in terms of both of their contributions to help us find our way in America at this time uh, as Buddhists. So thank you very much, Gyoshin san Yeah, their, their difference and their similarity just demonstrates oneness, <laughs> the oneness of, of these uh, two very different Seemingly different people. Oh, I think your hand was up. Yes. Thank you, Gyoshin, for this talk this morning. Um, I, uh, in my teacher preparation program, we read the, um, the Bell Hooks book, Teaching to Transgress, which it was awesome to encounter that book. And, and, I just cheated and made sure I was right about this, but uh, in I Googled during your talk or just now. So I just, you know, I have to admit my sin, um, but um, <laughs> uh, she mentions in the book that her, like two of her main teachers are Paulo Freire, who is the Brazilian sort of educator and, uh, and Thich Nhat Hanh. And I remember reading that and being sort of, uh, really stoked at that connection. Um, and, and so I think her, her thinking on teaching was very much influenced by reading and encountering Thich Nhat Hanh. So they have this connection, um, which, uh, I think, uh, <laughs> has been real influential for, you know, my teaching since I read that book. So I, you know, and outside of teaching, it's just an awesome book. So I, I'd recommend it to anybody teaching to transgress. 
I think there's a published um, conversation between the two of them in something like Tricycle. I forget one of the big um, sort of popular Buddhist uh, publications, but it's fairly recent. It's not from when she was young. I just love picturing her at age 18 going off with Gary Snyder to a May Day celebration. <laughs> that just sounds like her. Uh, that was probably a lot of fun <laughs> for both of them. Absolutely. Asian. Thank you for a thought-provoking talk and inspiring, Gyoshin. Um, I really just wanted to comment that I was hearing, you know, strains of Dongshan in Thich Nhat Hanh's writing about, you know, his his death and and how, um, you know, Dongshan talked about seeing his teacher everywhere, and you know, it would be impossible for us not to meet. And soon I'll be with you. In fact, immediately, right now, I will be with you. I'm with you right now. And so just uh, thank you for bringing that up. I also, um, I don't know, just apropos of nothing, I'm just sort of very much recognizing the transience of our lives these days. It's just very much in the forefront, I think partly because of the pandemic and partly because I'm downsizing. And um, so to reflect on the transitions of these teachers, I think this is just a very profound moment for me. Yeah, I don't feel sad. I feel happy about them. (laughs) I feel so happy about them. We've been doing these monthly uh, walks, um, haiku walks, we're calling them. And um, even though the stated uh, purpose of our walk is to create haiku poetry, um, the reconnection with nature is what it's really about. Um, I, I noticed that Eve is is uh, here, although I can't see her. I see her name. And she's been part of these haiku walks. I wonder if, I wonder if you, um, what you might think about connecting that to these ideas of these two great teachers, Eve. 
she really there? The downside of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm here. So, so you were saying connecting the the haiku walks to. I, I mean, what I felt on the haiku walks is that that I think, you know, with your your guidance about our attentiveness, I think we we have all felt. You know, not outside of nature, but part of it. And I mean, that's one way to look at love, too, that love is recognizing that you're, I mean, look, I tend to use systems theory language. That's something that I know influenced Joanna Macy, but yeah, that you're part of a larger system and um, and you're not separate from it. And um, thinking about hearing the earth crying is the, I mean, we go to nature, as Bell Hook said, you know, we go to nature for nourishment. Um, sorry about that noise. I think it's a snowplow outside my, my window. Um, but in these times when there is such um, stress, such so huge problems uh, in the world. We also get in touch with our sadness about it. And um, as Thich Nhat Hanh said, it's important to be in touch with our sadness. That is awakening to truth helps us um, find the energy to act. Good morning. Hey, Nicholas. Hey, thank you for the beautiful talk. Um, I really don't have much to say, but I, I, uh, do keep thinking about, um, a couple of stories that Jack Hornfield used to tell, um, uh, when Thich Nhat Hanh, probably in the nineties when he was visiting Green Gulch, that same period, when, when he arrived at Spirit Rock for a visit, you know, and there's a, a very long lane at, at Spirit Rock that comes up the rolling hills and how the community community stood and just watched Thich Nhat Hanh arrive in his blowing robes, the wind blowing, and how each step was so slow and mindful as if he were, you know, leaving his royal print with each step. And another story... Um, about Thich Nhat Hanh and the Dalai Lama when they met, um, they got into a competition of who could bow the lowest to one another. When they they met, they just kept going lower, and the other one would go lower, and the other one, you know, Dalai Lama would go lower, and Thich Nhat Hanh would go lower. 
Sounds like a limbo contest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just, uh, I don't know. That's, I thought I would share that. And just also just to say, you know, like if you've been around in Buddhism, you know, we've all just, he was such a powerful teacher that his teachings really seeped into everyone's work and, and, uh, you know, we're just so grateful to have had him as a guiding light and just as an inspiration for every Buddhist teacher I've ever known. And, you know, so deep bows to this great spirit. May he return soon. Thank you. As Asian spoke about transiency and passing and uh, Gyoshin's was talking about gratitude for great teachers, um, um, I, this, this only occurred to me as, as we started discussing this, but uh, there's a song by Alan Sanaki who spoke here recently uh, from his fine album CD Everything is Broken where he talks about teachers passing uh, and his teacher Mel Weitzman important teacher in our lineage passed recently and so um, I'm going to try and just play this song for you it's less than three minutes um, I hope it's hope this volume isn't too much or too little we'll see but uh, the song is called They're Falling All Around Can you hear? No. Again, do you have a link? Because if you do, I could share the, the sound. Oh, Let me start it again. Is that better? It is your path I walk, 
So that's Alan Sanaki's song, They're Falling All Around Us. And it occurs to me that uh, this, um, this passing of Thich Nhat Hanh and Bell Hooks and, and Mel Weitzman, that um, we have uh, a kind of responsibility to carry it on. So thank you, Gilshan, for your talk. Please, others, feel free to uh, respond anyway. Blake. Yeah, so I have um, maybe more of like a recommendation question. I haven't actually come across bell hooks in my readings, so I was wondering if there was a good starting spot that you had to recommend for somebody that was completely unfamiliar? I would start with Bone Black. It's it's a memoir about her early days, and it is very intimate and sweet. Uh, I can think about other starting points. I mean, the, the thing about her writing is it's, it varies from really academic to poetry. So uh, you need you need a sampling to get uh, a real picture of her of her amazing mind and heart. Others may have, Thank you. Other others may have uh, thoughts on that. Mary Lou Carroll. Good morning. I just want to thank Ancient Dragon. I um, uh, I just wanted.
I wanted to be with others this morning. Who are able to and who have acknowledged um, Thich Nhat Hanh and Bell I'm so sorry. Okay. Bell Hooks, who I'm so glad you paired them because, um, yeah, she was an enormous um, influence in my own uh, understanding of uh, feminism, racial equality. Um, I, to, to, to tell you the truth, I did not know that Bell Hooks had been influenced by um, by Buddhist thought. Um, but I think it's absolutely beautiful how you captured the uh, her her teaching to love the earth and love yourself. And even though that evidently was uh, directed at African Americans and especially African American women, I think that that perfectly um, captures Thich Nhat Hanh's teaching and Zen's teaching of um, interbeing, where Thich Nhat Hanh often referred to um, the body as being, the human body as being made up of non-human elements and to, uh, and therefore, so earth and heat and minerals, et cetera, Therefore, uh, if you care about humanity, you must care about the earth. And um, so deep, you know, um, teachings of oneness and ecology and um, coming from both these, these uh, teachers, um, Thich Nhat Hanh has, has influenced my understanding uh, greatly. I mean, that's even an understatement, obviously, but um, his, uh, his, his influence um, on my life is, you know, very strong. And so I, um, you know, when I heard the news of his death and, and watched some of the uh, services, <clears throat> excuse me, in the uh, Plum Village online monastery, just a, a great feeling of gratitude to Thich Nhat Hanh, to his, um, those who continue his um, teaching and work, which isn't just his monastic societies, but all of us, as has already been mentioned. So deep gratitude to Thich Nhat Hanh, to Bell Hooks, and to Ancient Dragon Zen Gate for giving this space this morning, loving space. Thank you. Mary Lou, thank you. Where are you coming to us from? Chicago. Oh, good, Chicago. Yes. So I will be sure to visit you again. I did. I did come many years ago when you were still on. I think Irving Park. Yes. A little storefront, and um, so uh, yeah, I um, I'll be happy to uh, reconnect with Ancient Dragon. Thank you for this online option. Wonderful. Check our website for many online programs. And yes. Thank you for your good words.
Brian Taylor. Yes, thank you. Gershon, I, I have a, um, I wonder if you might say something about uh, this business of having spiritual heroes. You know, we, we look to great teachers like Thich Nhat Hanh and the Dalai Lama um, in Buddhist circles and popular culture, maybe in our own imagination. It, it can certainly be inspiring as we've all been talking today. I wonder if you might say something about the potential downside and how having spiritual heroes like this can be a hindrance, or, or can it be? Well, there's a potential downside to just about everything, isn't there? <laughs> um, you know, sometimes Tigan talks about the Santa Claus of a Santa Clausification of Martin Luther King. I'm not sure I said that exactly right. But it can be that way, I think, with any wonderful teacher. Uh, we do tend to embellish, project, <laughs> um, wish, etc. We We are given to uh, delusion, aren't we? <laughs> um, so, uh, and Thich Nhat Hanh, of course, you know, has been such a public figure and so uh, raised to, um, and, and also so, uh, you know, quotes are, cherry-picked and used for other purposes by people like me and dermatologues, I suppose, you know, by the media, etc. I think we, this is why we sit, right? This is is why we sit, to, to, to try to be clear, to try to uh, avoid avoid too much distortion. I never met him. I, you know, I met his mind only through his writing and the teachings that I've seen. So my image of him is my image of him. Uh, him, you know, sort of filtered through my own mind and experience and heart. That could be could lead to <laughs> me somehow some harm. I don't. It's a good question to think about. That's a good question. I'll continue to think about. Tigan has a better answer. It looks. <laughs> I don't know if it's a better answer. Just some another response, which is part of what Brian is raising, is that we live in a celebrity culture. And our media, various media, picks on, picks out, you know, people to venerate in a way that sometimes can become idolatrous. So I think, you know, all the good teachers, and that certainly includes Thich Nhat Hanh and and, uh, uh, Bell Hooks and and Mel Weitzman, don't put themselves up on pedestals but encourage all the rest of us to um, to uh, in some ways um, be more helpful ourselves. 
to to ourselves and others. So, um, the the idea, the 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 tendency towards making celebrities, you know, isn't the point. It's how do these teachers like Tikkun Han and Bell Hooks encourage us in our practice? Right, and as he said, his life is his message. So that's what I look at. I mean, that's that's. That's what we're here to do, right? We're here to live this life in the best way we can figure out how to do it. And um, and one way to learn how to do it is to look at people that are living what we think are good lives. Other people might have thoughts. David goes. I have a thought about that uh, in regard to um, disagreeing with one's teacher. Um, um, uh, one of the first things that that uh, that I, I got uh, from from Taigen uh, when 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 I began studying with with Taigen along with the Bodhisattva precepts was uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's um, interbeing um, precepts. And there's 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 a bit of language in there that you know as as we say I, I have a I have a problem with that I that I don't agree with, and um, I've recently been um, studying Dongshan more and the and the Song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi and listening to some Dharma talks about it, and Dongshan talks about disagreeing with his teacher Yunyan and and Reb Anderson talks about the intimacy of that of that disagreement. Um, and I, I I love that I love that so much that that it's it's very different from um, the the version of Abrahamic religious tradition that that, that I'm familiar with in, in my life where uh, you know disagreement is a, is a crisis it's a um, it's 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 the end of the story it means we have to part ways or somebody has to get burned at the stake or or you know some other kind of dire correction has to be has to be uh, applied. Um, but in this moment, the fact that I disagree with with Thich Nhat Hanh on, on a point feels feels so intimate and so tender. And maybe that's a kind of um, antidote to, to the to the kind of heroization, the kind of hero cult that, that you're talking about, Brian. Conversely, um, heroes are wonderful. I love it that that in Taoism, you know, the the gods include these benefactors of humanity, so like these you know doctors and other benefactors of humanity and then their then their pictures are on, on temples as gods. Thich Nhat Hanh is that kind of god. I am making I would second what you said, David, about the importance of disagreeing with teachers sometimes. Or having dialogue. Dialogue means that we have different, can have different views. There's a, something deeper that is intimately connected. But can you say what it is about Thich Nhat Hanh's precepts that you disagree with, please? Um, sure, sure. We've talked about this more more than once. Um, I don't remember the exact wording, but. Um, he says that um, sexual expression is for and only for 
um, uh, I forget how he puts it, a long-term commitment with one other person. And um, that doesn't line up with um, what seems to me to be the range of right action and right thought in regards to that, that area of human expression. And it seems to me that Buddhism arose in a, in a place that, uh, in, in a place in time that, that, that you know, where, where, where um, versions of, of people coming together were not exclusively monogamous. And it seems that Buddhism didn't have things to say um, about that. Uh, you, you probably see the reason why I didn't say precisely what the, the, the form of my disagreement was, but uh, what, what, what the locus of my disagreement was. But, that, but that's the place. And it's, um, um, it has to do with the intimate seriousness of that, um, of, of that part of human life. I mean, uh, that, that, that version of love. Thank you, David. I agree with your disagreement. Um, I don't remember that being part of, I'm trying to find Thich Nhat Hanh's versions of, of the, actually he calls it the 14 phases of interbeing, which was originally his precepts. And I'm just, so this is maybe not the focus of our, our, the discussion, but uh, I, I appreciate you bringing it up. And I'm looking for which where in his fourteen precepts that uh, that is. Anyway, I uh, um, yeah, uh, I think part of uh, Buddhism as a living tradition, meeting different cultures in different times, is adjusting how uh, we see uh, different aspects of human life. So, thank you for that, David. Mary Lou? Uh, yes. Uh, I just wanted to uh, contribute this. This is um, the five mindfulness trainings, which I did with the Order of Interbeing. And this is the third training, which is true love. And this might be what is uh, uh, being referred to. So I'll just, it's just two, two lines. I mean, it's more than that, but I'll read it. Knowing that sexual desire is not love and that sexual activity motivated by craving always harms myself as well as others, I am determined not to engage in sexual relations without true love and a deep long-term commitment made known to my family and friends." It's the third mindfulness training on true love from the order of interbeing. Thanks, Mary Lou. I hadn't I had no memory of that whatsoever, although I'm sure I read it in the past. That's a whole other worthy Dharma discussion. (laughs) Um, 
just also want to thank everyone for your comments, because this is some of what I was putting forth when I said we had these two teachers uh, with both their 10,000 joys and 10,000 difficulties and to engage them fully. And, you know, in my work as a psychologist, I was a teacher for many, many years. And I always felt like when my students surpassed me and argued me with me, I had done a good job. And, you know, I think there's something about being able to have this discussion and deal with the difficulty of our lives that, you know, the lotus and muddy water that both of these teachers bring forth. I just really think we're honoring that. And I want to thank everyone for the engagement. So thank you. anyone has other you know last comments or responses uh, before we do our closing service please feel free David Weiner David I think you might be muted thank you <laughs> uh, when I have a tendency to dabble, I don't get into deep reading or deep discussion of some of these people. Bell Hooks, I've heard of the name, but don't know. Thich Nhat Hanh, I know of, but really don't know. Um, and yet, uh, on my emails, I often use little taglines, little uh, bits of wisdom, so to speak my own egocentric way of trying to show people that there's a, a better way, so to speak. Um, and one of them is actually from Thich Nhat Hanh that resonates with what you said, Laurel, our Kyoshin, you know, that our life is our, is our message. And the quote that I use from Thich Nhat Hanh is that compassion is a verb. It's not an adjective. It's not a noun. It's a verb. Compassion is a verb. And I think that's one of the things that really uh, fascinates me. Um, and the other thing about disagreements, you know, Alan was, Sanake was here last Monday. And uh, we're talking about beloved community. And part of beloved community is we that to agree to disagree is to be avoided. Um, and that what we look for is commonality. But I think what, what happens in this beloved community is even though we may have disagreements with our teachers or someone else, it's, we try to bring out the best in each other. And I think that's what Thich Nhat Hanh 
is trying to do and is to bring out the best in us. Uh, and even if we disagree, it's still the concept of how can we bring out the best in each other that it seems to be um, so part of of what I've heard. I don't know his message because I really haven't read him, but from what I've heard today, there seems to be so much of who he was and who Bell Hooks was, bringing out the best in each other. We still have a little bit of time, and I'm, uh, and I know many of you have things to say. I'm tempted to call on people. <laughs> Maybe that would be obnoxious. <laughs> Nathan, do you have any comments? Nathan's in Michigan and uh, a longtime ancient dragon person. Hi, this is Nathan. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Hello, Nathan. Hi. Um, I guess I could add that my first um, Buddhist teacher um, was Diane uh, Benage in Pennsylvania. And she had um, practiced Zen in Japan for 10 years and been ordained there. And then she went to France and studied with Thich Nhat Hanh. And um, then she came back to the U.S., back to Pennsylvania. And her sangha there was... Um, officially listed with both Soto Zen and with the uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's Plum Village tradition. So, and that was my first teacher. So I, I was kind of in both lineages uh, from the beginning of my journey, which was kind of nice. Thank you, Nathan. I, uh, and, and I would add that Thich Nhat Hanh was a major influence on modern Soto Zen. Mm -hmm. 